ship line, side riches here. The text for the sermon this day is taken from Luke 14, which was read earlier. Grace, peace, and mercy to you from God our Father, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Why are some people saved and not others? That big, gigantic question is known as the crux theologorum or the cross of the theologian. It's called that for two reasons. One is because like a cross, it is a burden. It is a challenging question because of the fact that the answers that scriptures give is not logical to the human reason. It's also called the cross of the theologian because every major teaching of the Christian church changes based upon how we answer that question. So, as I begin to kind of walk through this a little bit, I need to give a disclaimer. As I talk about the differing beliefs about this, understand that I am not saying that the other church, that Lutherans are the only ones saved, that everyone else is going to hell. That is not what I'm saying and that is what, in logic, that's called a red herring. It's an argument to avoid the argument at hand. But that is not to say that these, this, this issue is not important. The, body, the doctrine of the church, the teachings of Scripture, it's like a body. It's com commonly called the corpus doctrina. And each teaching is a part of the body. The doctrine of the Trinity, you could kind of think of that as the head. If you lose the head, you're not, the body's not going to function anymore, so got to get the Trinity right. The doctrine of the two natures of Christ, you could probably say that's the heart. Again, you can't do well without a heart. But I would argue that the doctrine of justification, or that question, the crux theologorum, would be like the legs. 
while you can live without your legs, it'd be much better if you had them. And when the doctrine of justification is gone, it's like going around with no legs. So if you were to look at the Calvinist tradition, the descendants of John Calvin would be the Reformed or the Presbyterians. The answer that they would, if you were to go to them and ask the question, why are some people condemned? Why, are some people, why do some people go to hell? Because assuming that, your congr- that the denomination is conservative, they believe that have, hell is, is a real place. Because Jesus himself said it is a real place. A place where there is suffering, a place where there is torment, a place that is horrible and wretched, that nobody, sh- we don't want anyone to ever end up there. And so the answer to the question, why do some people end up there, for John Calvin, was in the, in the, in the acronym TULIP. T stands for total depravity, U means unlimited grace, and L means limited atonement. In other words, Jesus did not die for the sins of the whole world, but only for the sins of some. Meaning, the reason why some people are not saved, according to the Calvinist tradition, is because God chose them for condemnation. God chose them to go to hell, according to the Calvinist idea. This is a part of the doctrine that's known as double predestination. That God chooses some for salvation and he chooses some for hell. The problem with this is, first of all, scripturally, the problem is is that that it says that God desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. So if God desires all people to be saved, does it make sense that he would choose those, some of those same people to go to hell. If you're choosing people to go to hell, then you obviously don't want them to be saved. But God wants all to be saved, according to Scripture. Or the soft version of Calvinism is that God just did not get around to saving everyone. Again, to God, a thousand, days is a, a thousand years is a day, and a day is a thousand years. God does not run out of time because he's God. Why this teaching is deadly, can become deadly to the faith, where the dangers are in double predestination. There's a pastor, I know he's now a Lutheran pastor, but he used to be in, um, in the Presbyterian church. I can't remember if he was a pastor or not, but he was pretty high up. He is very active in the Presbyterian church. And he's trying to figure out, and the way that he was determined that he was saved is he would look to his good works. This is why, the reason why a Reformed or Calvinist goes to church is is because they are being obedient to God. They believe that by going to church, they're showing that they are showing to themselves that they are saved. The problem came for this man, this gentleman, when one of the members of his church, was, who was an elder, the head elder in fact, and he was very active in the congregation, 
He was teaching Sunday school and Bible studies. And by all, from the outward look, based upon what he's been told, it is clearly obvious that this guy was chosen for salvation based upon his works. But when that man turned, some point when that man was in his 40s, that man became an atheist. Walked away from the faith. So according to Calvinism, that man was never saved to begin with. Which means if you truly follow double predestination, you can never know for certain if you are saved. The only time you will ever know is when you die and you are with Jesus, then you will know. Because for all you know, you could walk away from faith and God chose you long before you were ever born to do so. That is what Calvinism, that is the consequence of Calvinist teaching. On the flip side of the coin, you have the Arminians. The descendants of Jacobus Arminius is the Baptists, the Pentecostals, the most of the non-denominational churches. They'll argue that the reason why some people are saved is because they, made the, they at some point or another gave their heart over to Jesus, accepted him into their lives, and by that they were saved. The problem with that is, first off, as Scripture tells us, that no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Scripture tells us that God, Jesus told his disciples, you did not choose me, but I chose you. The Apostle Paul also writes in Ephesians that before the foundation of the world, he chose us to be holy and blameless in his sight. See, in our sinful nature, we are born in rebellion to God. We are born so against God that we are, we are as able to come to faith as Lazarus was to raise himself from the dead. In case you do not know, Lazarus had no power to raise himself from the dead. The only way that Lazarus was able to rise from the dead is because Jesus said, get up, and he did. But Lazarus had no power to make that decision. And the other problem of that decision theology is that it has to be a genuine decision. So if you ever have those days where your faith, where you're just a na you just have been a very nasty person, you know, you've just been really mean to your spouse or to your kids or to someone else or whatever, and all of a sudden, you're sitting there thinking, boy, look at the way I am. I must not really be a Christian with me backsliding like this. And yes, they do use that term, backsliding. And so what you have to do is go to church someday, and you're going to have to recommit your life to Jesus. Because at that moment, you are no longer truly a Christian. The problem is, is every one of us sins every single day of our lives if we're truly honest. And the problem ends up being, in both cases, we are looking to ourselves for our salvation. The reason we go to church is to appease God's wrath, to make him happy with us. 
Now you might be wondering, what does this have to do with Luke 14? The answer is everything. Luke 14 is Jesus giving you the answer as to why some people will be at the banquet feast and the marriage feast of the Lamb in his kingdom which has no end. And he tells you why some will, some will be and why some will not. Why are some not there? Because they made excuses. I have bought a field and I must go out and see it. How many of you, who've ever, if you were to buy a field or a house or a car, would not check it out before you purchased it? Now granted, I know you can buy things online now, so that's kind of a tough question these days. But typically, I'm guessing you're going to go check it out to make sure it's worthwhile. This is why this is not a very good excuse. Same thing with, I have bought five yoke of oxen. Again, they would have checked it out. I have married a wife. There's a simple solution to that problem. Bring your wife with you. They come up with their reasons and their excuses as to why they cannot come to the banquet of the master. So it is for many. The reason why there are those who do not come that will not be saved the reason that people are condemned is because of their own fault. They have spent a lifetime rejecting God and finally God says, have it your way. You don't want to part with me? Fine. Live without me. There are many. How many people can you think of that would use similar excuses to these as to not go to church? I have bought a field, or I have a field. I have something to do with my, my family. I have, a, I, have, I have to deal with something with my car or whatever. The thing is, is, if a person does that for long enough, they make a habit long enough of saying no to God's gifts, guess what? When Jesus comes at the last day, they're going to give the same answer because they made it a habit. Why are the others welcomed into the banquet? The ones who were in the banquet, they didn't go seek out the master. They didn't go seek out the servant. Rather, these are the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. These are the ones in the highways and the hedges. These are the outcasts. They are the ones that would not even consider themselves worthy to even step into the courts of this master. And so when these, this servant comes out, the servant invites them. They go and receive the banquet. The reason why they're at the banquet is not because they accepted the banquet, but because they were invited. And they did not walk away. The invitation is not to be accepted. It is given freely. And so it is with salvation. Our salvation is a gift to you from God above. Purchased and won by Jesus shedding his blood on the cross. 
Delivered to you in the waters of baptism. Delivered to you every time you hear the word. Delivered to you when you receive the Lord's Supper. See, the thing that makes, this is one of those things that's why it's awesome being a Lutheran. It's because of the teachings that we have are pretty awesome. It was so, and by the way, our teachings were so awesome that 499 years ago, we had a Reformation start up and people were willing to die for this teaching. That our faith, our salvation, the assurance of our salvation, you don't have to look inside of yourself. Our emotions change. Rather, we look to God's sacraments. We look to God's word. Pull out, you can pull out your Bible. Go to John 3.16. We for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. You could read that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You can read that by this we know love, that he laid down his life for us. God, who is Christ, laid down his life for you. So a simple question. Raise your hand if you are in the world. Literally everybody should raise their hand. So <laughs> not asking if you're absent-minded if you're actually in the world. <laughs> if you're physically in the world, that means God loves you. And he loved you in such a way that he sent his son to die on the cross for you. That you, that all who believe in him may have eternal life. If you read that verse and you read it knowing it is true, you are saved. And that is based not upon your feelings, but based upon God's word. That verse was written down back in about 70 AD. It was spoken by Jesus in about 30 AD. Almost 2,000 years, that has been the word that has been to people. And it's still true. 100 years from now, 30, 40, 50, 60 years from now, you could pull out a Bible, if you're still around at that time, you could pull out a Bible, and you could read John 3, 16, it will stay the same. That is what we stand on. The never-changing word and promise of God. That's where our assurance is. The reason why we are saved is by God's grace. The reason one is condemned is because they have rejected God. There are many people in this world who do not know of God's grace. And as long as they still draw breath on this earth, you are the servants that God sends forth to hear of that grace, that they too may hear that the devil may lose his grasp on them and the Holy Spirit may turn their heart and they may join us in the marriage feast of the kingdom which has no end. May we be those servants, those witnesses, until Jesus returns. Amen. The grace, peace, and mercy of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, keeping the one true faith to life everlasting. Amen.
Please stand as we sing, Create in Me a Clean Heart. <laughs> 